It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli podcast. This is a podcast all about Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you, as always, for listening. I have two parts for you on today's show. In part one... I will review our match on Sunday against Monza, and in part two, I will be joined by James Gamlin to talk about the latest issue of the Escapismo magazine, which is a special edition dedicated entirely to Napoli. So let's get right into it, and we'll start with that Monza match. As I'm sure you're already aware, Napoli suffered their fourth loss of the season on Sunday. Dani Motta and Andrea Petagna scored the goals for Monza in the 2-0 defeat. I have to say, I was a little bit surprised at the amount of outrage I saw from Napoli fans on social media. I mean, the passion is great, and I'm sure most of those fans were not actually that upset in the grand scheme of things, but I do think it's important to understand the context within which this match was played. First and foremost, this match was only a week on from the festivities after the victory over Fiorentina, and the week and a half after the draw in Udine that clinched the Scudetto. We saw all the crazy celebrations happening in Napoli since that day, and something tells me there was a lot more partying being done than what the players were sharing on their Instagram lives. So I'm okay with calling this loss a Scudetto hangover. Even if the players were not physically hungover, they could well have been mentally hungover or perhaps mentally checked out altogether. I get that these are professional athletes and it's their job to win matches no matter the circumstances, but it is simply impossible to be as motivated for a meaningless match as it is for a match where something is on the line. The reason Sadi's Napoli finished with 91 points is because Sadi had Juventus running alongside him the whole way. 
if Sadi had a 12-point lead from January onward, he probably wouldn't have finished that season with 91 points either. That's actually one of the few remaining motivations we have for this season, which is to set a club record for points earned in a single season for Napoli. In other words, to finish with a higher point total than Sadi's Napoli finished with. Contrary to what the commentator said on the English World Feed, that is still possible. Napoli are currently on 83 points with 3 matches remaining, meaning our max point total is 92. That won't be easy though, we'll have to beat the most informed team in the league to do it in Inted, and they will be absolutely pumped from their victory over Milan in the Champions League semifinals. The only other motivation we have, really, is ensuring that Victor Osiman wins the Capo Canoniere, which is why Victor played the full 90 minutes against Monza, and why he took both of the penalty kicks against Fiorentina, even after missing the first one. The other reason I wouldn't be too upset about this result is because Spalletti rotated heavily once again. He made at least 5 changes in each of our last 2 matches, i.e. since we mathematically won the Scudetto. For the Fiorentina match, he started Golini over Meret, Ostegard over Rachmani, Deme over Lobotka, Elmas over Ndombele, and Raspadori over Karaschelia. For the Monza match, he left Golini in goal, and he still started Juan Jesus over Kim Minjay, Rachmani over Ostegard, Berezinski over Di Lorenzo, Lobotka over Deme, Zielinski over Elmas, who shifted to the right wing, and Zerbin over Raspadori. This is something we've talked about in previous episodes, but Spalletti is clearly balancing competing objectives. On the one hand, he still wants to win, which is evidenced by the fact that he's not rotating the entire squad like he did in the Coppa Italia against Cremonese, with a midfield of Angisa, Lobotka, and Zielinski playing behind Osimen, you still have a strong enough core to win matches. At the same time, he's giving guys like Zerbin a chance to show what they're capable of in an actual competitive match, while also rewarding guys with minutes. Brzezinski and Zerbin train just as hard and are just as much a part of this team as Di Lorenzo and Caraschelia are, even if the former are nowhere near the quality of the latter. If all Spalletti was concerned about was winning the match, then he would have started Meret in goal, Kim and Rachmani at centre-back, Oliveira and Di Lorenzo at full-back, Zielinski, Lobotkin and Gisa in the midfield, and Cavara, Osimen and Elmas up top. By the way, that's the lineup I'm expecting for the Inter match, except with Politano over Elmas on the right wing. I think Politano was eased back into the squad for the Monza match, and I think he did enough during that half-hour appearance to demonstrate that he is fit to start against his former club. Unfortunately, those changes really lowered the quality of our wing play, which is also understandable. This was Zerbin's first ever Serie A start. Not just his first start for Napoli, his first start in Serie A. So obviously, he's not going to have the same chemistry with Matthias Oliveira as Cavada does. Even Oliveira hasn't been a regular starter for Napoli, at least not in the league. Oliveira is starting because Mario Rui is still recovering from that right fibula injury he suffered against Milan in the first leg of our Champions League quarterfinal tie. Likewise, this was Berezinski's first start since joining Napoli in January, so naturally he is not going to have the same chemistry with Elmas on the right wing as Di Lorenzo would, and like Oliveira, even Elmas is not a regular starter in that position. That position belongs to Politano and Lozano. Sadly, Lozano is done for the season with a knee sprain, and as I said, Politano had just returned from his injury. 
So naturally, we looked very disjointed on the wings. Curiously though, it wasn't just the non-regulars who made mistakes. It was everyone. As Spalletti said in his post-match press conference, it was another dirty match, which is sort of the Italian way of saying that we were sloppy. We saw poor decision-making. In some cases, we shot when we should have passed. In other situations, we passed when we should have shot. We saw players slipping and falling. We saw wayward passes, including from players you wouldn't expect those errors from, like Lobotka and Zielinski. Lobotka had Zerbin all alone in the area very late in the first half and just missed the pass. And in the second half, Monza very nearly scored a third goal on a play that started with Zielinski overhitting a pass for Oliveira. With two passes, Monza moved the ball the entire length of the pitch before Golini made a fantastic save on Dani Motta. Another thing that wasn't great in this match was our shot accuracy. We attempted 20 shots, 7 of which hit the target, but our XG was only 1.1. That's because we continuously shot straight at Michele Di Gregorio. And you don't need to see stats to verify that. I'm sure you all saw that with your own eyes. And Gisa and Zielinski both had powerful strikes on target, but they were both straight at Di Gregorio. Cavada had a chance, but he curled his shot straight at the keeper as well. Raspadori shot took a deflection, and it ended up right in the center of the goal. And then Osimen had a late shot, but it was from a really sharp angle, so that was stopped as well. The only time we picked a corner in this match was Oliveira's header on Zielinski's free kick, and on that occasion, Di Gregorio made a fantastic save. Earlier this season, I talked about how we seem to be a little bit too reliant on these wonder goals, usually from Osimen and Cavada, to win matches. I think a big reason why our goal production has declined so much over the last two months is because we are no longer getting those wonder goals. In fact, we're not getting goals, period. We've scored only four goals in our last eight matches in all competitions, and one of those goals was from the penalty spot. Now, I've done a lot of talking about what Napoli didn't do so well and why, but we should also give credit where it's due. I thought Monza did really well starting with the play of Matteo Piscina and Nicolo Rovella in the center of their midfield. I thought Marlon did a pretty good job of marking Osimen, though this was not Victor's best performance. Normally, Osimen is ineffective when the service to him is poor in this match. I thought the service was actually pretty good, particularly from Elmas crossing the ball from the right wing, but Victor's timing seemed a little bit off, especially with his leap in the area. Napoli really struggled to keep pace with Carlos Augusto, Patrick Churia, and Dani Motta. That pace, combined with their ability to play out of the press, made Monza's counterattack absolutely lethal in this match. Both of their goals started with Monza playing out of the press. On the first, Dani Motta played a clever flick to beat the press of Lobotka, and then Angisa just could not catch up to Augusto, who is really quick. That was a really well-worked team goal. The passing in the area in tight space right before the goal was really, really impressive. They might have been a little bit fortunate on the finish. I assume that the ball would have found the back of the goal regardless because they gave the goal to Dani Motta. But from one angle, it looked like the shot might have missed the target had Jesus not gotten a touch on it. The key play on the second goal, for me at least, was the pass from Armando Izzo where he turned on the line and played a perfectly weighted long ball over the top to Dani Motta. But right before that, Pessina did a fantastic job playing out of the press of Lobotka again after Napoli cleared the Monza free kick. 
I thought Golini made a pretty good save on Dani Mota there, but he didn't do particularly well with controlling the rebound. He parried the ball straight to Petania, and of course the former Napoli player scores the goal, but credit to Petania, he was very composed in the area, first in the way he controlled the ball, and then in the way he just slotted that ball comfortably into the bottom corner. So credit to Monza, credit to Raffaele Palladino, he has this Monza team playing really nice football, and you have to think, with Berlusconi and Galliani behind them, they're just going to continue to invest, and I think if they do that, Monza will steadily rise in the table. Okay, before we wrap up part one, I think we do need to comment on the VAR because there were three separate incidents that quite possibly could have been penalty kicks. All three incidents happened over the span of about 10 minutes. The first was in the 62nd minute after Berzinski did really well to win the ball back from Augusto, who I think was trying to shield it out for a goal kick. Berzinski went to ground as he was passing to Osiman, suggesting that he was clipped on the follow-through. I have to be honest, I could not see anything on the replay. If there was contact, it had to be very slight, certainly not enough for me to say that a penalty kick was warranted. I think the second penalty shout, which was five minutes later, was probably a bit more of a realistic one. Zielinski touched the ball to Osiman in the area. Matteo Piscina appeared to run into the back of Osiman's leg before he went to ground. I'm a little bit on the fence about this one. Osiman had his foot planted firmly to the ground, so Piscina tripped over Osiman's foot. It certainly wasn't a foul by Osiman on Piscina, though, because Osiman was just holding his ground and he had possession of the ball. At the same time, I'm not exactly sure if there was a foul by Piscina on Osiman either. Osiman went to ground, but it was only because he felt that contact on the back of his leg. And as we've said before, not all contact is a foul. This is a contact sport. Finally, in the 72nd minute, Matteo Politano ran at Dani Motta in the area. Motta had his arms draped on Politano's shoulder and appeared to clip the winger's legs as he was chasing him, but again, the penalty wasn't given. For me, this was the most realistic shout for a penalty kick of the three incidents, and even though each incident is supposed to be considered in isolation, it did seem to me like the culmination of the three incidents warranted giving a penalty kick on this one. But I think what frustrated Napoli fans the most was that Francesco Forno, who was on the VAR, did not call Francesco Coso to review any of these incidents on the monitor. And maybe if he did, then perhaps at least one of those penalties would have been given. It is worth noting that Monza had a penalty shout late in the match as well, when Birindelli cut across Juan Jesus in the area before going to ground, and that penalty was not given either. Had it been given, then we would have had good reason to be a little bit suspicious, but as I tweeted, sort of tongue-in-cheek, with this loss to Monza, Napoli are still mathematically guaranteed to win the Scudetto, so I wouldn't be too fussed with this defeat. Okay, that will do for part one. In part two, we'll talk to James Gamlin about the latest issue of the Escapismo magazine. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to part two of the Fortsanopoly podcast. If you like the show, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash Fortsanopoly pod. It's entirely voluntary. There are no set tiers, but it does help us to continue to produce content both on the podcast and on our website at fortsanapolipress.com. All right, I am very excited to be joined by a guest for part two. He is the founder of Escapismo magazine, James Gamlin. Welcome to Fortsanapoli. Oh, hello. Thank you so much. It's certainly a pleasure to have you on. So you are on the show to talk about the latest edition of the magazine, which is a special edition dedicated entirely to Napoli. Before we get to the special edition, why don't you just tell the listeners a little bit about the magazine itself? You know, how did it start and how far has it come since that first issue? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, just first of all, a huge thanks for having me on and can't wait to talk about the new issue. But yeah, I have to take you back to the summer of 2018. The idea for the magazine originally came around, you know, there were just a few things, you know, I'm a huge football fan and a fan of sort of just football in general, if you know what I mean. So there were a few things that I was putting together and writing about and I kind of collated it all into one concept version, if you like, of the magazine as a, a Father's Day gift for my dad, who's just as huge a lover of the game as I am um, and using sort of quite a lot of our own photos and things. So from there, you know, I got a few printed. I um, handed them out to some friends and family, and a lot of people sort of encouraged me to try and take this further. And I really, really enjoyed the process of doing it. So um, it was something that I really wanted to pursue. And then the following summer in 2019, I released the first issue, and then we've done three more since then. So it's been quite a journey. And then to now come and produce a sort of one off special dedicated to a, a particular club and a trip and with Naples in mind in particular this is something I've wanted to do from the start so it's really nice to reach that milestone. I imagine between producing that first Father's Day gift to now this special edition there's probably lessons learned along the way you know how far have you come uh, you know as far as just the production side of it in terms of putting it together the graphics the printing distribution all of that yeah absolutely it's sort of changed a lot you know I've experimented a little bit with the actual size of the magazine so that the first one was uh, a little bit smaller and then we've got to the size that you see now is, is the size that I, I really like I'm really happy with and I think it, it's always nicer to have it slightly bigger you know bring some of those photos to life and the other thing is you know as it's sort of grown over time of had the opportunity to work with some amazing artists, some guest writers, some illustrators, so and some other photographers as well. So it's it's been brilliant to you know work with them and and showcase their work. And it's just a, a privilege to to work with some people that I've been really inspired by down the years as well. But I think aside from that too, you know, that the sort of overarching theme of the first issue was all about the sort of underdog. So the sort of fairy tale stories in football like Leicester's title win Deportivo's incredible comeback against Milan in the Champions League but then for the second one I really tried to make it a bit more um, succinct and 
more of a theme, if you like, and I called that one mixed fortunes. So it's looking at those dramatic highs and lows that sides have experienced over time, like Man City's fortunes have really sort of changed in their favour in the last decade. Or there was a big piece there on, on Milan and how they almost have gone the opposite direction from like uh, those glorious past and then the last decade has been a bit more tricky for them and it's funny as I go through all these themes Napoli definitely uh, come into the conversation with those first two I think they've had as many highs and lows as sort of any side I can almost think of and then I always kind of held off featuring Napoli because I had this issue in mind but again with the third issue that one was called ending the wait so that sort of wait for a trophy or a promotion and that kind of huge release that comes with sort of finally winning something after so long so like Roma's Scudetto in 2001 with Totti like that was um, sort of my favourite piece from that issue and maybe I shouldn't say too much about that on on this podcast but um, kind of similar to Napoli in many ways with that long wait ending and then um, Last summer was the fourth issue and that one was called Touching Distance, which I think, again, like so many listeners will be able to relate to that with Napoli. You know, there's coming so close on a number of occasions, I think, especially 2018 with Sari was possibly the closest we thought Napoli might come until uh, a few seasons later. So with the fourth issue, I I was really tempted to do something with Napoli because I felt like it fit that theme of coming within touching distance so well. But I always had in mind that I wanted to do this issue. So thank you to everyone for supporting the magazine over the years. And it's a real pleasure to be able to bring this latest issue to you all. Yeah, so it's interesting because I noticed that as well as I was perusing the website i did actually order issue three i would have to be honest i would have ordered all of them but they're so popular that a few of them are sold out and hopefully they'll become available again soon but it was really fitting that issue three which was the other one that i ordered was about clubs that have waited so long for something whether it was a title down to you know just an important win over a rival club because napoli have waited so long for this and what's cool about this edition and the reason why I imagine it's a special edition is that this is the first one that's dedicated entirely to one club or to one city, you could say, because it's as much about the culture of the city as it is about the football club, which is basically Napoli fandom as well. You've kind of sort of hinted that you've been thinking about doing this for a long time and you're just sort of waiting for the right moment. But at what point did you commit to the idea of actually producing this magazine dedicated to this club? Well, yeah, I guess it is a long time in the making, really, because I eventually went there with one of my best friends, Tom. Um, you'll see him quite a bit throughout the the magazine, actually. But we were planning this trip. God, I, I don't even know when we first started talking about it. But, you know, even before the pandemic and, you know, all the way through lockdown, we were saying, you know, when we can finally go away, we're going to finally go on this trip. So I always had in mind that that when we go, I guess I had quite a long time to plan it, to be honest. But I had a lot of the photos in mind that I wanted to take. And, well, I mean, I was aware of that connection between the club and the city. But I think until you go there, you just don't realise how incredible and just unique it really is. And I think that's why it makes for the perfect football come travel special edition where there's just so much to talk about where the city and the club are so like intertwined, if you like. And I think that's what makes it just so so interesting you know I've always been fascinated by by Maradona and his life but I've also 
just been fascinated by Napoli and you know just the iconic stadium beautiful kit and then you know the city as well uh, just such an incredible landscape with Vesuvius and you know I'm equally as passionate about food as well as I am about football and what an incredible city Naples is in that respect you know you think of all that amazing local produce from Naples and um, Capri and the Amalfi Coast and just Campania in, in general with the mozzarella, the tomatoes, the lemons. It's just an incredible region. And, and that's before we even get started on some of those, those recipes and all of the amazing coffees and pastries that originate from Naples. And of course, the pizza, which was the first thing we, we had when we, uh, we got there. And I, I can tell you it was the best pizza we've ever had. So I, I think that's where it just is such a fascinating city. They're so passionate and that passion really comes across with the supporters some of the best fans some of the most you know incredibly passionate fans in the world I think any football fan would agree and it just it just makes for such an amazing experience and I just felt like there's so much to talk about both in football and non-football terms that it just makes for such a such a great thing to write about as well absolutely I think you've basically described the traditional first trip to Napoli, I would I would say. I mean, for, the first thing most people do when they get there is they eat the pizza because you have to. <laughs> and everyone, no matter how many times you've heard it, you know, that story been told, everyone still seems a little bit surprised that actually, yeah, it is the best pizza I've ever had. And, you know, they say there's something <laughs> in the water or, or whatever it is. But, you know, and they've also been doing it for a really, really long time. You sent me a sort of a sneak peek of the magazine and, You've done a great job, I think, of capturing that passion in the city and the culture, and, you know, the food, the music, while also maintaining what is still a football magazine. What else can football fans expect to find in this special edition? Well, first of all, thank you. That's very, very kind words. But I, I guess I've tried to almost immerse you into what it's like to be there and visit, if you know what I mean, like trying to capture the sort of there's a lot of quotes I've featured throughout the magazine. One sort of described the city as organized chaos that energizes your soul. And I thought that was such an interesting one. I think it's it's really kind of hit the nail on the head. It's such a, it's a crazy place, but it, it's, it's just a beautiful place, you know, so, such an energy. It's, a, it's such a sort of buzzing environment. And I think to try and put that into words is quite difficult because I, I feel like words can't really do justice what it's actually like to be there. But I, I've tried to make it so I almost take you on the trip of, you know, exploring the city through the kind of prism of football and sort of when my friend Tom reads it, actually, he's going to think some of this isn't in the order that we did it, but no one else will know. But um, but I've tried to make it sort of, a you know, a journey through exploring the city, understanding the impact of Maradona and the scale of just how idolised he and the side are in the city and then it all kind of ends in the experience of going to the stadium and watching the match and then taking you up to the present day with the title win because um it's actually interestingly it's a, a year to the day today that we were there we went to Insigne's a final game and I just cannot tell you how incredible an experience that was you know you could really kind of feel the the weight of the occasion it was really really emotional you know like the stadium was completely full it was not a, an empty seat so many of the younger supporters there as well because I think 
from speaking to a lot of them, you got a sense of how much Insigne like meant to them and, and how much having a local player represent the city in, in the team, like just how important that is. And I'm also an Italy fan as well as an England fan. So for me, it was it was really special in that respect. He's quite a special player to me. But, you know, Napoli in general hold quite a, a soft spot for me as well. But I just felt like the whole occasion was, was sort of reminiscent to Totti's farewell at Roma. But, you know, experienced the atmosphere and taking in a match there. It was unlike anything I've ever seen at a football ground. And, and you know, I've been really lucky to go to some amazing games in my life but it it was truly unique as a football experience so I've tried to sort of capture that and I think the funny thing is it's like we experienced something truly amazing that afternoon but I can only imagine what it must have been like in the last few weeks and the months leading up to the title win but the last few weeks in particular and the the game against Salernitana the the game after they won it against uh, Fiorentina you can only imagine the buzz and the, and the feeling around the city because I've seen so many photos, uh, as I'm sure you have as well, and, and all of the videos of the fireworks and, and people in the streets, sort of very reminiscent of those celebrations in uh, in 87. When you go there on a normal day, it's incredible. But I, yeah, it just blows my mind as what it must have actually been like this year. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean in terms of changing the order. I did a piece on the website about the Quartieri Spagnoli, and I rearranged the order a little bit because it flowed better. And that's actually an area that you cover in the magazine. You also talk about Lungomare. There's pictures of Piazza del Plebiscito. So you definitely captured the, the physical beauty of the city. You mentioned that quote. There are tons of quotes in the magazine, which I love as well. There's a whole section dedicated just to quotes on Maradona, which is very fitting. Again, you can't describe Napoli, especially the, the city center, without talking about Maradona. One thing, you know, you mentioned recent results. Did this experience of just making this magazine turn you into a Napoli fan of sorts, even if it's maybe not your first club? But I feel like it's hard to not, not want to support the club after producing something like that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I've kind of... Um... Yeah, so my nan comes from Italy, so I, I do have like that. I think the national team more than anything is sort of my main team. I can really say I support. I have a real soft spot for a lot of Italian clubs, that, and and you know Napoli is absolutely one of them. My nan comes from the north, but I think just as a as a football fan, I think anyone with the sort of any sort of interest in in sort of European football has that real respect and admiration for Napoli and I'm absolutely the same and yeah having been there to watch a game and I know what you mean it does sort of convert you into a fan in a way and um, yeah I was so pleased to see them seal the Scudetto this year I feel like once you've been there you, you really get an appreciation for just how much football means to the fans and it's such a special club and a really special city and yeah it's fantastic. You mentioned that you were there a little bit a little while ago for the uh, Insignia farewell game, which was a whole different party atmosphere. I mean, the city has slowly become more and more blue and white. What was this experience like preparing the magazine? Because obviously it took a while to put it together, but you're preparing this as 
the city's getting closer and closer to winning its first Scudetto in three decades. And you've, as you mentioned, the pictures, the city's just getting more and more blue and more and more and more white <laughs> and, and more and more Scudetti pictures all over the city. What was that like? How did it differ compared to preparing previous issues of the magazine? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I, I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Because you sort of cast your minds back to last year and realistically it could very well have been Napoli's year last year couldn't it so this could have all been happening while we were actually there but I think the longer you sort of wait the sweeter it becomes and that the more near misses you have the more glorious the triumph actually is but it's funny like you mentioned about Quartier Spagnoli and when we were walking around and done a whole double page spread on all of this kind of the artworks and the flags and the banners and it's funny because there's so many photos that I took, but I feel like I've actually barely scratched the surface on just how much there is, you know, in celebration of the side. And then that was then a year ago, you you fast forward to this year and it's almost, it's like a sort of outdoor museum in celebration of the Scudetto. And that's sort of the only way I could describe it, to be honest, it's, it's just unbelievable. So if I could have been there this year, then, then that would have been just as amazing as well. But, you know, I, I'm grateful to have been able to visit at all. I was planning on releasing the magazine anyway this summer, but when it sort of, um, as the season progressed, it just felt like I have to release it around the time of them winning the league. And it's, you know, there's been a, a few late evenings and <laughs> weekends gone into it, but it's all a, a real labour of love. And when I saw that they were sort of about to seal it, I was thinking maybe the Fiorentina game would be the one which would have been incredibly uh, fitting, wouldn't it? But to then play against Fiorentina as the champions when it's the same opponent as sealing it in 87, it just felt so perfect, didn't it? So I thought releasing it on the 10th of May, the anniversary of the match in 87 felt felt really fitting. So yeah, it's amazing. I can't believe I've sort of finally done it, you know, after all these years of, of thinking about it. Labor of love is a great way to put it because I think in a way that's sort of how Napoli fans feel about supporting the club too, because going back to that third issue and, and the theme of waiting a long time, it really has been that for Napoli fans. And I feel like for that reason, and maybe rival fans might disagree with us on this, but we kind of say like this one Scudetto feels like it's worth a hundred times a normal Scudetto to any other, any other fan base, or at least maybe to the more successful Northern clubs. I'm sure if, you know, Lazio or Roma or any other club really won a, a Scudetto Fiorentina, they'd feel the same way. I think May the 10th is is also a nice date to release it because it's the 10th. <laughs> and, and that number also, you know, features prominently throughout the city. And again, in the magazine, you can't escape that. So what's really nice as well, and I'm glad you kind of waited to release it, is because for a lot of Napoli fans, and you've probably noticed this in your research and your preparation and certainly something that I'm trying to change personally is that up until very recently, there wasn't a whole lot of content out there in English. And with this success and the fan base growing and becoming more international, which is also in large part due to international signings, I honestly think that this magazine will become a bit of a memento, right? A bit of a, a way for English-speaking Napoli fans to kind of something to 
to have and cherish to remind them of what an incredible journey it's been up to this point. So I think you got the timing spot on. I hope it does sells out. I hope, you know, I hope there's a lot of copies available because I think you're going to need them. Uh, before we wrap it up, if you can just let people know where they can go if they want to purchase a copy of the magazine. Oh, well, yeah. Well, thank you so much. And I think it's, it is really interesting that I think this title win as well will definitely draw a lot of attention to Napoli am amongst the English speaking audience. And I think they really are like such a kind of cult team as well as just a, such a famous side as well. But I feel like people definitely have a certain affiliation with Napoli as being quite an underdog, the history of Maradona. And, and I think just the passion of the fans as well. It is, it's just got everything, hasn't it? It really does. But yeah, thank you so much for having me. And uh, yeah, you can find the magazine over on my website, which is www.escapismo.co.uk or across socials, which is escapismo.magazine. Perfect. Yeah. So like I said, I ordered my copy. I recommend everyone, please go out and purchase a copy. It's very affordable. Even if you're paying for shipping, I'm halfway across the world and the shipping was a lot less than I was expecting it. I was actually going to order all the copies just to save on the shipping, to be honest, but I didn't oh. need to. I mean, but I, and I will if, well, you know, do you have plans on making the other issues available if people did want to go back and purchase copies of those? Um, yeah. If the people want it, I will find a way to make it happen. Absolutely. All right. Perfect. So yeah, you can definitely reach out to James. Again, the website is escapismo.co.uk and on all your social media platforms at escapismo mag. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fisket D5, and you can find the podcast on all the usual social media platforms at Forza Napoli Pod. Unfortunately, I will not have a preview pod ahead of the Inter match this upcoming weekend as I will be away for the weekend, but I will be back next week to review that match. Until then, I'm Joe Fischetti, Forza Napoli Semper. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.